Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We're going to be redeemed, right? We'll one day be in a state, you guys, where you'll never sin again. Never going to make another mistake. Can you imagine never making another mistake? I wish I could have elements of the redemption now, right? Right now I have the hope of, you know, what's coming in redemption in that way. But there's going to come a time where I'm never going to sin again. I'm going to be perfectly holy. It hasn't come yet. Anybody know me well knows it. But it's coming for the believer. We look forward to it. We live in a time of so much convenience that we so easily take for granted. We can buy everything we need, including tonight's dinner, without ever leaving the couch. We can buy everything we need, including tonight's dinner, without ever leaving the couch. And still, there seems to be a lack of satisfaction in our lives. In today's message, Pastor Bill explains to us that for us as Christians, there is more to look forward to. What we have now is not all there is, but our spirit is groaning for what still lies ahead. A hope for a time when we will be completely satisfied. Now, Here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Lord, as we uh, continue our study in Romans chapter 8 today, uh, Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us, Lord. Thank you that your word is living and powerful. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would minister to us as we look to you through your word today. We ask this in Jesus' name. If I can walk you through, I told you guys we began Romans chapter 8. It's one of the most important chapters in all the Bible. I'm not saying that there's any part of the Bible that's unimportant, but Romans chapter 8 is uh, just deals with so many themes that are important and even critical to the believer that we grasp them, that we understand them, that we might walk them out. So uh, Romans 8, 1, we learned that there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We know that there's no more any condemnation about our past. We never have to look back at it as we move forward. Um, and so we did our first study in Romans, and I think we covered verses 1 through 9. We covered 10 through 18, and uh, we left off at verse 18, so pick up there with me. Paul says this. Now, he's talking to them about suffering, and we talked about that as Christians, we know that we will suffer. I told you there's a lot of preachers out there that won't tell you that. There, there are churches that make it sound like once you give your life to Christ, everything's going to be, you know, peaches and cream and yogurt and candy drops, and that's not the case, Right. All you got to do is read your Bible and everybody that really walked hardcore with the Lord, they endured some level of persecution and trouble. Jesus, who lived perfectly, was persecuted. Paul, who was, you know, really one of the most influential persons and characters in the New Testament, beaten, shipwrecked, jailed, imprisoned, you know, so forth and so on. So we know that suffering is a part of the Christian experience. And yet when I look at Romans 8.18, I didn't go in there last week. I think this verse is important in two ways. As a pastor, you're often ministering to people that are suffering. This wouldn't be my go-to scripture to go to someone suffering. Someone suffering through cancer. Someone suffering through the loss of a loved one. I wouldn't go to them and say, you know, Romans 8.18 says, for the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, so look up. That, no, that wouldn't be my go-to verse to go to someone suffering. But check this out. It is my go-to verse for the believer. If we can know this in our hearts now, then when we begin to suffer, the spirit will draw on this. So 
I wouldn't be insensitive and slam this on somebody who's in a puddle of tears crying. But I do think it's important for the believer that we have this tucked in here. I need to know this verse for myself. I'll suffer. I'm going to have some difficult times. I've had some. I'll have some more. Suffering's a part of the Christian experience. I don't know when it'll be next time, but I know when it does come, I need to know this in my soul and my spirit. I need to know that this verse for the suffering of this present time, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And if I can point something out, it's not going to be revealed to us. It's going to be revealed in us. Something that God's going to do in us, that his glory is going to be revealed. And so I wanted to point that in us out because that's kind of where we're moving now. We're going to see three different times in this next section of scripture where there's groaning. The creation is groaning for its redemption. It's going to talk about how we are groaning for the redemption in our own bodies. Then it's going to talk about how the spirit groans within us. And so here when it says, look, the glory that's going to be revealed in us. God's going to do something so great in us that when he does it, whatever you previously suffered won't even compare. It's not even comparable. It won't even be something. We won't be in heaven saying, man, I remember when my dog died. That was just real tough on me. You know, you won't be you won't be in your glorified state looking back here at what was going on. You'll be in that state saying, wow, you know, it, it'd be forgotten. It's going to be so good that this will be irrelevant then. So I need to know that now. I especially need to know this. When I go through something. So moving on now, look at verse 19. We'll look at the creation first. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So let me talk real quick about this. How does creation look to be redeemed? So we got to go all the way back to Genesis, right? God had created a world. It was perfect. It was flawless. It was perfect. It was perfect until what? What happened that jacked everything up? Sin entered the world, ruined everything. Now, we don't know. We've only existed in this world the way it is. We don't know what it was like back then, but we know that because it's going to be redeemed, that the animal kingdom is going to be different. Some of the things you guys know that even the animal kingdom has fallen. So we look at creation right now and we say, wow, it's beautiful. Like I see God in creation. I look at certain things and I know that only God could have done this. But the Bible tells me that creation is groaning for its redemption too. The creation is also fallen. It's not in the state that Jesus created it. It is not in its perfect condition right now. We'll look at it in a little while. But when you look at Isaiah, when it talks about what the earth is going to be like in its redeemed state. You got animals that eat other animals right now that won't be eating other animals. I'm an animal guy. I love my animal. Y'all know. Y'all hear it every other week. I love my animal channels. I can't imagine, you know, little kids playing with a big lion and it, it'd be nothing. Nobody's worried. The lion and the lamb walking together. You know, you know, lion would eat a lamb right now. You throw a lamb in a lion's den, the, the, the lamb, it's over. The lamb, the lamb can't fight back. It don't even have a claw. It's a wrap. That's the meal. But it says the lion and lamb, they're going to be walking together. Kids be playing with serpents. What? Back when it is redeemed state. So the creation is groaning for its redemption. It's saying, man, I can't wait. Now, this is awesome, right? We live in even the world we live in now in its fallen state. Would you guys agree that when you get to the parts of it that are untainted by man, they're still pretty awesome? 
This is the unredeemed nature. We're looking at it saying, man, I've been to Yosemite. I got to go and see a little bit of nature. And whenever I get out and I see that, I look, I'm looking at cliffs and mountains and water, stuff that's like, man, God did this. That's the finger of God, but it's still falling. I got to walk around there looking out for the bears and everything else, bears breaking into cars and all that kind of stuff. So it's still in a fallen condition. So creation is groaning for the time when it's going to be back into its natural state. The world that we live in now, everybody know what's going to happen to the world we live in now? What's going to happen to it? So I'm say it like you mean it. Destroyed? Destroyed how? Fire. It's going to burn. So some people say that, right? I don't love my stuff. It's all going to burn, right? It's all going to burn. That house, it's going to burn. Them cars, they're going to burn. Everything, everything. This world that we live in right now is going to be destroyed. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. A redeemed world we're going to be living in. This place that we live in right now is, is, is bad and getting worse. They're studying it, looking at it. It's going down. So I want to say this. And I hope it helps us, right? When we as believers see the world going in the direction the Bible said it would go in, we shouldn't sound like the rest of the world. You know, look at everything's going wrong. We don't have enough sunlight. We're, we're going to burn. The, the This is going to happen. We're going to have a big this, that, the other. As believers, we should look at it and say, wow, it's getting worse. Wow, things are going wrong. Wow, this, this, then we must be getting really close. We must be getting close to the time when God's, I got to go ahead and tear it up. Sorry, I got to make a new one for the believers. New heavens and a new earth. We shouldn't be all disturbed. When we see things in the media and the news, the world is going in this direction. They're, so they legalize gay marriage and they're okay with this. And, and it's, look at, this is taking over our world. Look at how bad and how nasty and they're getting with the kids. And the Bible said that when the days before the Lord come back, it's going to be like the days of Lot. So when I see that stuff happening, I'm like, they getting aggressive. You know, the homosexuals in Lot's day was aggressive. Lot, I mean, he walked down with the angels that looked like men and they saw him and they said, ooh. And they went to his door and said, we want them. Give us them guys that came to your house. That ain't happening yet, right? I ain't never had, you know, a couple of fellas come visit my house and some guys said, hey, bro, bring them guys out there. Say, we ain't there yet, but we getting there. We, they getting aggressive. So. When I see those things, I don't say like, the world is falling apart. I'm saying, if we right on track, the Lord's coming back. My redemption draws nigh. So for the believer, we may recognize it. We don't want it and we'll vote against it. But we ought to also be recognizing that man, this thing is everything that God said would be is. God is batting a thousand. Our trust in his word, our faith in who he is and what he said he's going to do. It should just be exploding within us that everything God says is coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Our trust should be great in the Lord. Amen. Amen. The creation is looking for its redemption. This is going to happen after the rapture of the church. If you're writing notes, I want to just give you a glimpse of redeemed earth. What it's going to look like. Look at Isaiah chapter 11 verses 6 through 9. Isaiah chapter 11 uh, starting at verse 6. It says the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Just if y'all didn't know wolf right now eat lambs too. Um, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. That wouldn't happen right now. The leopard would eat the goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. So we'll be able to chill with the lions. They'll be eating straw like an ox. You want to worry about them. I don't know if they're going to get different kind of teeth. Because you know, even with them teeth. I mean, <laughs> anyway, but they're going to eat straw. They won't be a danger to us. The nursing child shall play with the cobra's hole. So everybody pause for a minute. All you nursing moms. 
with your little babies that are just nursing. My babies are always kind of special to mom, but nursing mom, that's just they're a little closer. They're kind of helpless. They need you to eat. They need you for everything. Your nursing baby playing in the serpent's hole ain't got nothing you don't have to worry about. It. I, I got them. They pull them out and shake them around and no threat. The idea here is that what I'm getting is that there's just peace, right? There's no fear. There's no fright. We're not worried about this thing or that. We're able to really just enjoy God's creation the way he intended. That's what creation is groaning to be back in that place. The nursing child again shall play in the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. The earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So as the water covers the sea, the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord. So obviously the sea is full of water. The Bible says at that time, the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of him. The earth is groaning for that. We also are looking forward to that time. Amen. And so back to Romans 8. Look at verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I skipped something that can be controversial. So I'm going to go back to verse 19. The last part of verse 19 where it says the revealing of the sons of God. I just got to point this out because there's a few cults and funny folk that take this verse and they say basically there's a couple cults that believe that they are the revelation of the sons of God. They're like super Christians. And so if you ever meet some guys that we're the, you know, they'll go to this verse, a few others. We're the revelation of the sons of God. Have you read about that? And they believe they're like a super Christian that they don't sin. They don't mess up. They have divine inspiration, so forth and so on. Some of y'all are laughing, but some of y'all met these guys. Uh, just so I want to do my job as a pastor and say there's some people that believe that they're this group. They ain't this group. This group don't show up till everything is redeemed. Humans are redeemed. They're redeemed. That's when we'll be revealed as the sons of God. So it's not some, there ain't going to be no super saints on the earth. Just regular saints that's struggling like you struggling, that need Jesus like you need Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit don't lead you, guide you and fill you, you'll be following your face. That's all we got today. So I just wanted to go back and say that. So if you ever meet some some revealed sons of God, y'all go ahead and show them the door. Uh, that's not true. It's not not accurate. All right. Verse 22. Now, it says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. And so. We're going to see the word groans three times. And I thought it was interesting as I was studying it. I expected the word groan to be the same, but it was a little bit different each time. The creation groans, you and I groan, and the spirit groans. And each time the word was a little different. And I was kind of like, okay, well, let me go back and look at this. Because it would seem like if everybody groaning, just mm, it's, it's a groan. But it's a little different in each case. So when it says that creation groans, and I won't bother you with, I don't know if you want Greek words. But um, I'll just explain. I'll give you the definitions of what they mean because I don't speak Greek and I probably say it wrong. So when it says the creation groans, it means to to moan or to groan jointly or together. It's saying that creation is groaning together. It's not just an individual person or a thing. It's a collaborative. All of creation is groaning for this. All of creation wants to be back as what God intended. That the, all the whole of creation is groaning. So it says the whole of creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. I thought it was interesting that it's birth pains and not death pains. Birth pains let us know that it's, have you ever seen, obviously every mother that's given birth, there's groaning and there's pain, 
with a happy expectation, though. There's there's something good coming out of this. Not like death pain. Death pain is you groan and hurt and then die. So it's like it's, it's hurting and it's going to be worse. You know, a birth pain is uh, it's a positive. It's right now it's a temporary time of groaning and pain, but it's there's a future expectation of something wonderful and glorious. And so uh, mothers endure this part um, as they look forward to that part. And then once the baby comes, it's, it was all worth it. You know, it's like, OK, well, this, now it's done. Now we have this. So when it says the creation groans, I just want to point it out that this groaning is temporary. And it's looking forward to something wonderful that the Lord is going to do. So all of creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Verse 23. Now it moves on to us. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So now it goes to us. The creation is groaning. We covered that. Now you and me. The Bible says that you and I, that we're even groaning. Those of us that have the first fruits of the spirit, that's every believer. The moment you get saved, the moment you get born again, you get the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit. How you know your God and how God knows that you're his. He gives you the down payment, the Holy Spirit to live inside you. Um, that's how we that's our evidence that we're saved, that we know where we belong to the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit. So those of us that have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption. So now when it says that we groan, the word is to sigh or to murmur or to pray inaudibly. And so for everybody here that's a Christian, and it's a universal fact, if you're a Christian, you're aware of your failure to be all that you want to be in God. Everybody is. There's some Pharisees that are like, nope, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be all the time. <laughs> that's you a Pharisee, you lying, you're not truthful, right? Every Christian that's trying to walk with the Lord understand this very well. I'm not what I want to be. Even on a good day, I'm not all that I hope to be. I'm not all I want to be. I fall short. I don't do all that I want to do. I just, I don't quite get it right. And it's a groaning in the believer, man. We look forward to the day because this is what we have to look forward to. There's a day coming when we're going to be redeemed, right? We'll one day be in a state, you guys, where you'll never sin again. Never going to make another mistake. Can you imagine never making another mistake? I wish I could have elements of the redemption now, right? Right now I have the hope of, you know, what's coming in redemption in that way. But there's going to come a time where I'm never going to sin again. I'm going to be perfectly holy. It hasn't come yet. Anybody know me well knows it. But it's coming for the believer. We look forward to it. Every time we mess up, we look forward to a time where, man, God, I hate it. You feel bad about it. You hate it. You confess it. You repent of it. And you, you, you want to stomp it and beat it down and never do it again. And then you wake up in the same old body, same old mind, same old broken nature. And you battle with it. You struggle with it. And you fight with it. And some people get weary in the battle. I'm not encouraging us to fail. Well, I'm just going to fail until I get redeemed. You got to still stay in the fight, right? You can't fall out of the fight. You got to still battle for it, fight for it. But even when you're battling, even when you're fighting for it, all inside, there's a groaning that says, God, I want to be, I want to be everything that you want me to be. And we groan for the redemption of our bodies. And so he says here, even we ourselves also, all those that have the first fruit of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. When does that take place? When do we get this, this new body? The body that you have right now is not the body that you're going to go to heaven in. If Jesus would have raptured the church right now, this body don't get to go. You guys know that? We'll be caught up to be with the Lord 
but it says we're going to be changed in a moment that twinkle of an eye. This body, this mind, this whatever is happening right here ain't made for heaven. It's just it's it's temporary. And so let me give you the verse real quick. If you're writing notes, write down first Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to read a chunk because it even gives an application in it. So first Corinthians 15, I'm going to read 52 to 58. And it just is giving us some of what's going to happen to our bodies. I guess I'm going to start at verse 50. So you guys turn here with me. I want to read through this with you guys. Look at first Corinthians 15 verse 50. When you get it, say got it. Okay, here it goes. It says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That word sleep means die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And I won't bore you with, you know, scientific facts with the twinkling of an eye. You can't count it. You can't blink that fact just in a it's quicker than a snap. It's one of those things if you're not ready, right? If you're not ready right now, if you're not saved right now and the rapture happened right now, do you have time to get right? No. No. It's a wrap. Twinkling of an eye. It's over. You're going to be left behind. But if you are saved, just that fast, this thing going to be over with. Just that fast, you're going to be changed. So in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I want to just point out a few things we are looking forward to. We are in a corruptible body. These bodies must die. Right. The, the older you get, you know, the older you get, the more you are aware that this body is wearing down. And it's, it's uh, you, know, you got from zero to 20, you know, that's, about, that's it. After that, uh, you know, it just starts, stuff start, you know, happening. It's just the older you get, you realize that this thing's not going to make it forever. I mean, it's just, I put some miles on this thing. Now I need a new one, you know. So we get in a new one, right? And the new body that we get, we don't know a whole lot about it, but we know that it's incorruptible. Uh, we know that the new body won't die. The new body won't get sick. The new body won't have a sin nature. Uh, the new body will be made to be in the heavenly realm. This body is not. And we know that when we get it, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. So I, I don't, I'm not doing a whole rapture study, but it's kind of cool. The Bible says that the dead in Christ and Thessalonians are going to rise first. So however people died, people have died and been in the earth for many years. People, you know, died in the sea. People died in the hospital, whatever the case is. They're going to be raised up and then changed. There's a bodily resurrection that we believe in, we look forward to. Then there's the rapture of the church. The Bible says that we don't precede those that already died, but we're caught up together with them. And so for some people, they say, how's that going to happen? What if you burned your body up and you put it in an urn? Let me just tell you like this. If God's going to raise up dead folks, right? I don't have a problem with God taking a body that died and was ashes, a body that died in the sea, a body that's been in the dirt for 400 years and now we get to go to heaven. I have a problem with none of that. It's God. 
God's doing it, right? So I believe that what it says, the dead will rise. We're going to be caught up together to be with the Lord forever. We'll be with the Lord from that point on. Most glorious part about the rapture in heaven and everything else is we will forever be with the Lord, period. No sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no sickness, and no sin for the rest of eternity. We look forward to that. And so, again, it says that our bodies, the believers groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington and A Transforming Word. We know you didn't have to come today. You could have turned off this message and moved on to the news or to a talk show, but you chose to stay. You chose to invest your time in learning more about the Word of God with us. In this series, Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Romans. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You didn't have to stay today, but it might be the best decision you could have made. On the news, you could have encountered plenty of death, but here we're able to set our minds on the spirit together, discovering the life and peace that he brings. And we have more opportunities for you to set your mind on the spirit. While wait for the next edition of A Transforming Word, on our website, you'll find a daily Bible reading plan, links to our YouTube channel and our mobile app. You'll have hundreds of messages available to you at the touch of a finger. You'll also find ways to join in the work with us through giving and prayer. Our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. But there are other ways to find us too. We're on Instagram and Facebook. What better way to move your mind to the Spirit than to bring Him into your social media? As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. Oh yeah, and don't forget to come back here next time for a transforming word to transform your life.